Hoops Heaven proudly brings to you Basketball Hustle, featuring your host, the writer, Chris Pike, and the scoring machine, Sean Redditch. Now it's time for another episode of Hoops Heaven's Basketball Hustle. Hello and welcome to another week of Hoops Heaven's Basketball Hustle, and, and boy do we have a lot to get through this week, so let's not waste any time. We've got we're already two rounds into the NBL season. We have a full round two that we need to review. We're already a couple of games into round three, which we'll have a look at as well. We'll preview the rest of round three of the NBL. We've got some some players that are that are breaking out right now, some young stars making a statement. We've got some other superstars that are struggling right now, which we'll, we'll talk about. And Hoops Heaven's Basketball Hustle now features not... Not one legend of the NBL and the Perth Wildcats, not two, but three. So we've got a very special announcement to, to get to on this week's show as well. So let's not waste any more time because if we've got that many legends, you don't need to hear too much from me. So I'm Chris Pike, the co-host, but the man that's still my, my main man, he's still the, the, the co-host of the show. He's the scoring machine. We saw him back on our TV screens belatedly on Sunday. Sean Redditch, how do we find you this week? I'm good. Just getting ready for uh, all my programs start back up. School's back, so that means I'm back. So uh, it's been a, a nice down week. Throwing some NBL action into it, and uh, yeah, looking forward to the start of February and everything cranking cranking into gear. No, fantastic. Good to hear the programs are getting back to normal. But it was a big big school holidays for you as well. The Redditch basketball camps were were a big hit. Yeah, we were busy. We uh, we usually not, we usually have one camp, and uh, we decided why not have three. So uh, <laughs> it was uh, it was busy, but it was good, and uh, we've got a lot of future Wildcat Perth links out there in WA. So the future's bright. Fantastic to hear. Now there's a lot to get through on the show this week, Sean. As we as I discussed off the off the top, and we'll we'll settle now into a bit of a regular format as we're. Now into the season and on our second season of the show, so we're settling into a into a bit of a groove, and we'll have plenty to get through. So between between yourself and I, we'll talk about everything that's happening in the NBL to start off the show, and then we'll get your Player of the Week award and also your votes for the for the Player of the Year award, which is now brought to you by by Hoops Heaven for the 2021 NBL season, and then we'll get into. The wrap of round two with Damian Martin. So Damo's still still well and truly a big part of things here at, at Basketball Hustle. And he'll also be on board with his award, which we dubbed last week, Sean, the Damo. So now we're going to make that a bit more official. So Damo's going to actually be naming his best defensive player of each week and also be giving his best defensive player of the year votes each week. And we're going to be handing out the Damo. So I think that's a nice little addition to the show. And our Tap Touch preview... Is now going to feature another one of your former teammates, a three-time NBL championship winner, 236 games he played in the NBL, and he was a superstar for a lot of those. He was he was damn tough to stop when he when he got the ball anywhere in the mid-range or in the, or in the block. Matty Knight now joining us, which is a he's a great coup for us here. So two of your former teammates, which I'm sure you're looking forward to teaming up with again this year on the show, Sean. Absolutely, uh, you know the nightmare is uh, is back, and uh, mm-hmm. we're excited to have him. He's uh, he's got a lot of knowledge, and and, and another guy that's um, coaching a lot of youngsters now as well. So it'd be great to uh, kind of get his perspective now that he's a- away from the game and can kind of look at it from uh, a little different perspective. It's uh, it's great to have him a part of it. 
Yeah, so really looking forward to that. So that leaves us with a lot to to get through. We'll hear from Damo to review round two and the couple of games of round three shortly, and then our tab touch preview with Matty Knight later in the show. There's been a lot happening, Sean. Let's get straight to some of the news floating around the NBL, and let's start with the undefeated Hawks. They're 3-0 and right now, and they've won all games up in Queensland. They've been away from home for a long time. They still don't have Cam Besto or Dengadel playing, two guys with NBA experience, but they just keep winning. They do. They find a way to win, and they're uh, you know they've just got their recruiting right. And uh, I, I think anytime if you if you can throw in a pretty talented team with a Brian Gorgon as your coach, you're going to have a good chance of having success, and, and they're able to do that. In uh, down in Illawarra, I'm not sure if it's the Illawarra Hawks, the Hawks, what's <laughs> going to happen there, but hopefully uh, we'll have a, a name or maybe they're just going to fly all over the country, not really have a home. It seems to be working <laughs> for them at the moment. It's become a bit of a talking point. Brian Gorgian was very strong on his thoughts that the club deserves their name back. The NBL, it was a strange circumstance. They took their name off them during the offseason and then they offered it back to them if they could sign enough Members, um, they didn't quite reach the target the NBL set, so the NBL didn't give them the Illawarra name back. Originally, I think they took it off them because they were planning on playing some home games in both Canberra and Newcastle and then, and obviously in Wollongong to then see where the best support was. But obviously COVID has meant that that's no longer um, viable. So they're stuck being the Hawks right now, but there's a lot of lot of growing sentiment back in Wollongong, especially that it's it's a little bit unfair. What's your take on it? Yeah, I don't quite understand the whole thing. I think there was mm. a bit of an incentive, the city and and the region behind the club. And look, I, I don't know what happened there over the years. I mean, when I first came into the into the league, they had the toughest crowd, yeah. maybe except for Townsville. I thought Townsville in Illawarra or Wollongong back then had the toughest crowd in the league. So you just kind of felt like... Back then, it, it seemed like the smaller markets were where NBL was positioned yeah. at that, that time and, and was probably uh, striving and, and doing really well. But uh, over over the years, those markets kind of dried up. I don't know if it's other sports kind of moved in there, but I'd love to see them get back on board. And, you know, it hasn't been a success thing either. There's been years where Illawarra, Wollongong have been really good and they still yeah. haven't got that support. They had LaMelo Ball, who's mm-hmm. now balling in the NBA, <laughs> and yet they still were were getting low numbers to their to the game. So yeah, I'd like right. to he, see... He, the... he was drawing great numbers everywhere he played around the country, but their their home crowds didn't really go up, did they? No, and I don't, I don't, I don't quite understand it. I mean, and you had guys like Glenn Savile, Matt Campbell, just awesome ambassadors for mm. the game that are from there and live in there and in the community. So you, I just would have thought that they would have got behind it, but somewhere along the way they lost their way and just uh, haven't been able to reconnect. So maybe it's a way for the NBL to kind of just reset, say, Hey, if you guys want to really have an NBL team, you got to get out here and support them if, if they're going to stay here um, in this region. And I actually kind of like the Wollongong name better than Illawarra. Oh, I, I think so too. I, I agree. That, that's my personal opinion. Just uh, probably just what I know knew when I first came into the league and, and tremendous amount of respect uh, for, for the gods that, that played in that club and the history they have. So, you know, I, I don't know if there's a, a right or wrong answer there, but I do think, uh, I just hope they, when they do finally get a home game, 
that they're uh, they get out there and support them. Yeah, absolutely. And this is the, this is the team to get behind if you're going to, if you're living in the in the area. Now, on the opposite side of things, Sean, we expected big big things of the Cairns Taipans this season on the back of what they did last year and bringing back pretty much the same team outside of DJ Newbill. Right now, um, as we record this, it's ahead of them playing Thursday night at home to the Hawks. They've lost their last three games. Gee, they're in big trouble if they make if they lose a fourth. Yeah, especially playing all of them at home. It's yeah. uh, it's going to be a tough one to recover. We know that uh, traditionally Kansas is a tough place to play. So uh, for them to get Machado back, to get Cam Oliver, uh, you just would have thrown them in the top four no-brainer. No but um, they haven't found that intensity on the defensive end yet. To me, uh, they're kind of – and then offensively, they're going okay, but I just feel like they're they've – they don't have that third kind of go-to guy they had in DJ Newble that really took that pressure off and also was probably their best defender. So it kind of could freed up Machado, give him a little bit more energy on the offensive end. And uh, I think they are missing missing that little connection. I think DJ Newble is uh, very underrated. And mm. there'd be a few clubs. I'm not sure where he's playing at the moment, but uh, I'm sure there might be a few clubs that might be ringing his agent, seeing if he's available, uh, considering some of the starts uh, some of the imports have had this year so far. It's a perfect segue, Sean. I wonder if one of them might be the New Zealand Breakers. What do you make of the way Lamar Patterson has started this season? We saw him on, on Wednesday night in Adelaide um, put up an absolute, absolute stinker. He went scoreless, missed all six of his shots, and he played less than 15 minutes of the game. What do you make of it? He was For the last two years, he's been one of the best players in, in the league. Well, normally I might just say he looks out of shape, but he kind of always looks out of shape. Yeah, so, I don't think he looks any different. And he no. was he was the best player or you know top five player in the league the last two years. So I, I can't put it down to that. I, I mean, I guess you maybe the fact that he's in a new club and still finding his way. If you remember when he first got to Brisbane, I think it might have been in Adelaide he had his first game. He didn't set the world on fire mm-hmm. then either. I think people were questioning him. So maybe he just takes a few games. New Zealand Breakers need to learn how to uh, play with him. He seems to be work better if he's got the ball in his hands. Watching them the last couple games, the Webster, well, Corey didn't play the first game, but mm-hmm. um, Ta really likes to be the one kind of creating – and, uh, you know, they're going to need to get him going, though, because uh, he just doesn't look like he's, uh, he's the same player as last year. But I'm not, I'm not willing to write off a guy who's uh, been a top five player the last two years just yet. Mm-hmm. Yep, no, I think it's a bit early as well. Also in Adelaide, how excited are you by seeing what Josh Giddy and Isaac Humphreys have been able to do together? Some of their pick-and-roll action, especially in that win on Wednesday night, was absolutely unstoppable. If they can keep that going for the whole season... Um, who knows how far they could take this this 36ers team? Yeah, I think it's, uh, it, you know, sometimes you just got to play through your best players and mm-hmm. rod that. And I think that's what Adelaide's going to have to do. Obviously, throw in Daniel Johnson yep. in there as well. You, you get the ball in those three players' hands, uh, pick and roll, pick and pops, moving. They're, uh, they're going to be tough and, and put some shooters around them. Um, it'll be, a, you know, they, 
I wouldn't say they've set the world on fire, but they found a way to win Adelaide. A few wins just to kind of keep them in contention, I think, as they're as they're playing these home games. A real test for them will be once they finally do go on the road. But yeah. um, you got to like where Josh Giddy is just a few games into his NBL career. And Isaac Humphreys uh, coming back from the NBA. Looks like he's playing a little bit of a chip on his shoulder. And, yeah, uh, you know, he's, he's the landlord down there in Adelaide at the <laughs> moment, just blocking shots left and yeah. right. Yeah, we'll get to your Player of the Week award soon, and I have a feeling he might feature prominently in that. Now, the Perth Wildcats, you were there for their first game on Sunday. You saw it You saw it close up. Um, first of all, what did you make of the way they started the season? And, and what, did you see anything maybe that was a little bit more impressive than you thought you might have coming into the season, you know, being up there, up close to, to see it? Yeah, well, I liked... You know, I thought it was a good win for the Wildcats. Didn't think they played outstanding. They did look nervous, um, or just just kind of those first game jitters at Tom's. There's, I mean, there was one stage in that third quarter where I reckon the ball rolled out of the rim about four or five straight times down the court, mainly for Mitch Norton. So, mm. uh, just some of those little chippies that you, you normally make weren't going in. But they, you know, their defensive intensity really impressed me. Just the length. That Luke Travis and John Mooney has on the defensive end, um, those guys are are elite rebounders, and and I would say Travis in there is as as an elite defender as well. The amount of deflections, I mean, for them to to create twenty turnovers against Southeast yeah. Melbourne Phoenix, um, to me that was the difference in the game. And then just the Wildcats rebounding, John Mooney. I mean, well, I think he had what twelve rebounds just in the first half alone. So. Yeah, He's, uh, you know, he's going to be a double-double machine. Didn't look outstanding on the offensive end. You know, a shot, mm-hmm. uh, not as not as nice as uh, as Nick K. Got a little bit of a hitch in there. But, uh, mm-hmm. you know, if you're Trevor Gleason, you like the effort that he's shown. And, um, you know, I, I still think their best lineup looked like to me was when they put their shooters out there. So when they put Bryce at the one, Stondel, Blanchfield, Jesse Wagstaff, and Mooney. Um, yeah, I, think, I agree. To me, I think that's going to be their closing lineup. Um, Trevor really didn't go to that lineup till late in the fourth. Um, but I think, uh, you know, because I think there were, it was a close game. But if, if they fall behind, I think that's going to be the lineup he goes to because, uh, you know, when you put that many shooters out there on the court. Otherwise, there was times where they could really load up on Bryce Cotton and uh, it didn't. They didn't seem to click that well. And they're probably going to need other guys to be a little bit more aggressive, especially Luke Travers. I think he's he's young, but I, he's he's capable of. Um, you know, I kind of compare him to Glenn Savile is what uh, mm-hmm. my uh, comparison to young Glenn Savile, but probably not as polished offensively yet. No, that's a good. It's a it's a it's a good call. And if he can have that career that Glenn Savile did, he'll be he'll be very happy with that. Um, a bit of more, bit more news surrounding the Wildcats as well. They found a replacement for Scott Roth, who's heading off to coach the the, the Tasmania Jack Jumpers. Um, Bob Thornton, he's been, he's he's got a, had a hell of a hell of a career, and he's been a long time in the NBA. That's a in this in this COVID world, that's a that's a pretty impressive signing. Yeah, it's a big coup, and um, for. For the Wildcats, and you know, it's a in- interesting um, one. They're able to get someone with that much experience mm. um, in the NBA to be able to come out here, and um, I think it, it helps that Trevor Gleason's got a relationship. Sounds like he was he gave Trevor one of his first jobs 
back uh, back when he started as well. So I mean, he knows him well. I think that always gonna hold hold you in good stead when you're coming in kind of mid season as well. So um, I know Scott Roth is excited about getting over to Tasmania and starting that, and he'll be uh, watching a lot of these players, um, especially uh, some of those with Tasmanian ties. Uh, very closely over the the coming year. Now, j- just finally to wrap up this little little segment, Sean. Um, what were you more impressed with, Cam Oliver's one-handed dunk over the top of Craig Moller and Jordan Hunter for for Cairns on on Saturday night, or um, John Mooney's follow-up to his missed three-point shot and then and then put-back slam? Which one did you like like the best? Uh, look, I probably, because I've never been able to dunk over anyone, especially over two people, <laughs> um, and especially over two really good defenders, um, I'm going to say Cam Oliver's dunk. I mean, I, you'd be tough to find a better dunk in NBL history. I don't I know. Yeah. I haven't seen, um, all the highlights, but I mean, to be the number one play in, in the entire world on SportsCenter. Yeah. Was uh, was pretty impressive, and I'd, I'd actually be surprised there wasn't some NBA team taking a little bit more notice of Cam Oliver now mm-hmm. uh, after that one. So uh, we'll have to check his uh, his social media following as many NBA teams are uh, following him a little <laughs> bit closer. Yeah, we'll keep our eye on it. Now let's have a look at our player of the week from round round two, Sean. Um, probably not quite as many candidates as we had from. From the first round, but still some pretty impressive performances. So, the players I would nominate um, at this stage: um, Nathan Sobey for his twenty-four points for the Bullets in 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 their game back in round two, and then Tyler Harvey once again was was outstanding. He had thirty-one points on eleven of twenty-one shooting, three of five from three-point land for the Hawks. Now Isaac Humphrey's double was was pretty good for Adelaide. First game he had twenty points, eight rebounds, five blocks, three assists. The second game, 24 points, 11 rebounds, and 7 blocks. Um, Ty Webster, he he gave the Breakers a real chance to win that game in overtime. He had 34 points, 8 assists, 5 rebounds, and he shot the ball pretty well. 5 and 9 from 3-point land, took 32 shots on the game. Cam Oliver had a pretty good double. He had that game against Sydney with 27 points, 10 rebounds, 3 assists, and 2 steals, and then backed it up with 17 points and... And 13 rebounds. Jarrell Martin at the Sydney Kings had a good game with 22 points. And, and Bryce Cotton, 27 points, 7 assists, and 5 steals for the Wildcats. Anyone I, anyone I missed, is there anyone else you considered that you were were putting in the, in the running? Oh, look, no, I think you covered them all. To me, I think you got to go with, with Isaac Humphreys. 24, 11, 7 blocks. I mean, yeah. that was, uh, you know, he's been a... Uh, a revelation for the 36ers, kind of giving them that that center presence they've been looking for for years. They had Matt Hodgson, but he never really kind of always been throwing DJ into the five and getting away with it at times. But you know, you need someone in there that can really match up when you've got some outstanding bigs that we have in the league. So uh, I think Isaac Humphrey's done a great job to start the year and obviously leading the league in blocks and uh, mm-hmm. he's probably going to destroy everyone in that category this year. Yeah, no, uh, no argument from me. I, I think you've got it spot on. So that's our, that's the player of the week for round two here on the show. And now our hoops hoops heaven player of the year voting, Sean. So naturally, I think we go the five votes for Isaac Humphreys. 
then it probably gets a little bit more challenging. Who would you go for the four and the rest of the votes? Yeah, I mean, I'm going to probably go with, obviously going to go with, with winning play, so um, winning team. So uh, Tyler Harvey, give give him four. Give uh, Bryce Cotton three. Um, and then probably Cam Oliver, two, and Ty Webster, one. Um, you know, probably Ty, I mean, he did put up good numbers, but he did take 32 shots now. Yeah. I love to take a shot, but I'm not sure I ever put up 32 shots in a game. Oh, sure. So uh, that's, that oh, might I even have, be no, more I have impressive. I no doubt you did. I'm, I'm, I'll go back to the numbers. <laughs> I have no doubt you did. <laughs> Maybe in a 48-minute game, but I don't know. That's a lot of shots. <laughs> uh, no, that's fair enough. So that... So, so that'll leave Tyler Harvey on top of our leaderboard right now. You gave him three votes in in round round one, so he he goes up to up to seven votes, and and then we've got Justin Simon just behind, Isaac Humphreys just behind. Yeah, pretty impressive leaderboard. You'd expect Bryce Cotton to to continue to make his charge. So we'll continue to follow that as the season unfolds, and and Hoops Heaven will be bringing that to you, and we'll have a special award to announce to go along with that. So thanks to Hoops Heaven for their ongoing support here on the show, Sean. That wraps up this first segment. When we come back, we'll a bit more of a round two wrap with Damien Martin and also get his thoughts on the Demo Award. Okay, Sean, back on Hoop 7's Basketball Hustle. We'll get to Damien Martin and his the Demo Award and his Play of the Week and Play of the Year voting shortly. But let's, let's go back through the games in round two in a bit more detail, Sean. We did talk about the first game of the round back on back on last Wednesday. So let's get to Thursday night. It was the Hawks remaining undefeated. They beat the Brisbane Bullets 90-82. to As we talked about, Tyler Harvey, very impressive. But the Hawks got a lot of contributors, and they look to be a, a really smooth-running smooth team right now. And it's probably, probably not a surprise considering who their coach is. Yeah, they've uh, they've come out of the blocks. You know, I think people weren't really sure what to expect from this team, but uh, you know, they've kind of found their groove. And after probably a slow start for Tyler Harvey um, in the first game, his other two games have just been outstanding and looks like a an All NBL type of type of player and really running the show and kind of setting everyone else up. He's so aggressive, but you got to respect his shot. He can shoot it and score from anywhere, and uh, everyone else is just kind of playing their role and uh you know they're they're just got gelling and and also playing on the defensive end um as well they're they're getting enough stops to uh, to get get these wins early on and, and important wins for them so uh you know hawks team that started three and oh i just saw has never missed the the postseason so uh good signs mm-hmm. for the hawks early friday night this game was a lot of fun in adelaide it went to overtime the 36ers ended up beating the breakers 94 to 91 as we talked about Isaac Humphreys was unbelievable with uh, unbelievable with the seven blocks and also the 24 points. Donald Sloan, clearly his best game in the NBL, coming off the bench as well. But in the fourth quarter and overtime, he stepped up and made some some really big, big shots. Ty Webster gave the breakers a chance, took a lot of shots, but he also made a lot of shots. Can't help feeling if Finn Delaney didn't cramp midway through the fourth quarter and didn't return, that that, that result might have been a little bit different, though. Yeah, he was playing some pretty good basketball. And yeah, you just the New Zealand Breakers have kind of started the season how they started last year. If you remember yep. right, they yep. they were a little bit slow out of the block. You just 
felt like they weren't obviously a new coach and a new system. They hadn't really found their groove, and it's looking to be the case this year as well. And, uh, you know, we talked about this early on in episode one. Just having to be on the road for that mm-hmm. long is uh, can't be conducive. I think missing Corey Webster as well, you know, I think the Webster brothers, they're going to be a dynamic duo, but for them... They're going to need to be able to flaunt that third and fourth option. And right now, just defensively, they're not uh, at the level they need to be. Yep, no, I agree. Saturday, Cairns Taipans lost again at home to the Sydney Kings, 99-91. As we talked about before, Jarrell Martin, terrific for the Kings. Casper Ware, he put away his three ball for, for the first half and was a lot more efficient. And then when he took some three-point attempts, he, he knocked them down and ended up going four or five for the game. And he had a terrific game. Brad Newley was on fire early. DJ Vasilovic was terrific again. Aside from Cam Oliver, not a lot to like from the Taipans. This was a, a good win good win for the Kings. Yeah, if I'm a Taipans, the, the worrying sign for me is the defensive end. They're, uh, they're just not competing at the level we saw last year, and they're, they're going to need that to be able to, I guess, to overcome now that they're going to have quite a few road games as well with, with so many home games they, they've had to start the year. So it's uh you know concerning effort there. Sydney Kings... You know, I think, uh, you know, Martin now feeling more comfortable and they're going to be able to utilize him and his skill set. He's going to be a, a tough cover. And, and I think you're right there with Casper Ware. He's got to be more aggressive to the rim yep. and then set up that three-point shot later. But, uh, you know, I think sometimes you can kind of fall in love with that three-pointer. But if it's not going down... And, uh, you know, I think he kind of needs to be a facilitator to start the game as well. So mm-hmm. get Vasilovic, get Newley, get Martin going, and then you be the closer. Yep, totally agree. Sunday at RAC Arena, the Perth Wildcats raised their championship banner and then celebrated with a win over the Southeast Melbourne Phoenix, 88-76. to We touched on Bryce Cotton earlier, but good contributions. John Mooney was impressive. I like Todd Blanchfield's game. He looks like he fits into the system Nicely, Mitch Norton had a, had a nice game, and, and Tom Jervis, out of retirement, played some important minutes. They started a little bit slow, but, yeah, the second half was pretty dominant. You know, if I'm South East Melbourne Phoenix, this wasn't a 12-point game. This was, you know, a couple points in it mm-hmm. with, uh, with three minutes to go, but uh, Wildcats turned it up defensively. I think they just need to take care of the basketball, and uh, we saw 20 turnovers, way too many. You know, Sykes had a poor game from his standard, but I expect mm. him to, to bounce back. He's not going to miss that many shots. So, you know, Gibson was outstanding in the first half and um, wasn't able to to back it up in the second half. But, uh, you know, credit the Wildcats on their defense. They found a way to win without uh, playing tremendous. And, and you mentioned Tom Jervis there. I thought, you know, it might be a bit rusty coming out of retirement. Hadn't really played NBL level for two years now. But he he played some big minutes for him. Scored a couple baskets with that non-preferred left hand. That actually is his preferred hand <laughs> when, he's, <laughs> when he's around the basket. Yeah, it is. So uh, it was, um, you know, impressive from him. I thought Mitch Norton was more aggressive, although he just wasn't able to finish. So he's kind of fond that uh, fine line. Being aggressive, there was something. He did force up a few shots when he got in there. So... Just fine, and when he can be aggressive and when he needs to be the facilitator, but I'm sure that'll come. Uh, if I'm Trevor Gleason, I'm happy that he's being more aggressive because they're going to need a, a second score out there in that in that guard spot. Monday night, back in Cairns, and Melbourne United um, ended up being a tight game. They won 87 to 85 over the Taipans, but but really Melbourne was in control of this one most of the way until Scott Machado caught fire. 
um, late in the game and gave the, the Taipans a, a bit of a chance. But hot shooting from Melbourne early. I think they went 7 of 8 from beyond the arc in the first quarter, 10 of 18 in the first half to set it up. And they looked pretty good. But again, another loss for the Taipans on their, their home court. Yeah, I mean, they're they're playing some tough teams as well. So let's, uh, you know, the Hawks and the Kings, you nodded. They haven't had um, a, a, an easy game yet, but they're, uh, you know, Golding was on fire in that first half. Landale, you see how important he's going to be. And, you know, just looking at the Melbourne United stats, no one stands out. You know, no one's getting mm. 30 points, but that's just get the type of team they put together. They don't need anyone, but when they're knocking down 10 of 18 of threes in the first mm-hmm. half, they're almost uh, going to be unbeatable. So they're, uh, you know, they're, and they're, they're getting wins as they're finding their groove. And so it's going to be, these are important wins as they go back home for quite a bit of time. Um, and we're going to get to see them play against the the champs uh, later this round as well. Absolutely. Or next round. Yeah, we will. Tuesday, round two got under, underway on, on the Australia Day public holiday. And the Brisbane Bullets opened their account. They beat the Sydney Kings 90-87. to 87. Vic Law, tremendous game. Nathan Sobey, pretty good as well. Jarrell Martin was good again for the Kings. Good win for the Bullets. They needed it. They couldn't have, couldn't have afforded to drop to 0-3 and three with all games at home so far. No, it is. Uh, and when we talked about Vic Law, may not be that elite import, but, uh, you know, he played like it. And uh, in this game, so uh, encouraging signs for them. If they can get Vic Law and Sobe playing at a really high level, I think they'll be, you know, they'll be a, a tough team to beat. They can beat anyone on any given night, but they're, uh, you know, they're not clicking on all cylinders right now. And um, Sydney Kings would have loved to got that one. You know, Jarrell Martin had an outstanding game, twenty six and eleven, mm. but just came up a little bit short. Uh, yeah, the thing I love about so far is all these games have been really close. Yep. I mean, you're talking the, the biggest margin um, that round, 12 points for yep. the Wildcats. And that was a one or two point game with three minutes to go. Yep. So um, I love how competitive the league is. And you know, any any given night, it's going to be a tough game to uh, get a win. And then Wednesday night as well, Adelaide 36ers, for the first time this season, got consecutive wins. They beat the Breakers 88 to 78, 10 point margin. But again, this was a game that was still pretty close with a couple of minutes minutes to go. Isaac Humphrey's terrific again. Josh Giddy almost a triple-double um, as the youngest player in the league. 13 points, 10 rebounds, or 10 assists and 8, re- eight rebounds, I think it was. Plenty of other contributors there. Corey Webster was back for for the Breakers. What do you make of this one? It just felt like the New Zealand Breakers just don't look cohesive yet. On the offensive end, on the defensive end, they're not quite sure their identity. I mean, I remember usually every season you start out saying this is the identity we want to have as as a team they don't look like they have an identity yet they don't know if they're a defensive team they're an offensive juggernaut running team um and so it's going to be uh you know and then they've got to come over west for a couple games as well so it's a tough start to the season for them but adelaide impressed with giddy i mean it's just uh his savvy his basketball knowledge how well he can pass the ball and and to have a guy that tall and be that good a passer such an advantage i'd love to play play with him yeah absolutely and to be doing this when he's when he's so young it's remarkable i think he's he's quickly rising up those nba draft death charts i wouldn't be surprised if he ends up well well and truly a first rounder um later later this year as a result okay sean that's all the games that we've had to talk about so far 
I'll come back with Damien Martin to get his thoughts on the Damo Award. And then I'll, then I'll be back with you and we'll get into the Tab Touch preview. Okay, back on Hoops Heavens Basketball Hustle. And now I'm joined by Damien Martin, the Perth Wildcats legend, made his TV commentary debut or sideline commentary debut on Sunday and here on the show. Um, we've mixed things up a little bit and we're now going to have him not only usually join us for the round in review with Sean, but also, I mean, he's the best defender the NBL has ever seen. Um the Defensive Player of the Year Award from the NBL is now named in his honour. So we're going to have our own award here. We're going to call it the Damo. So every week, Damien Martin will be joining us to give his votes for the the Damo, the Defensive Player of the Year Award, but also to name his, he's the Damo winner of the week. So the Defensive Player of the Week winner. So my pleasure to now be joined by Damien Martin here on Hoop 7's Basketball Hustle. Okay, Damo, thanks very much for joining us here again on Hoop 7's Basketball Hustle. Now, it's still the same, Damo, a different role than we envisioned when we first had you, got you on board this year, but great to have you part of the show still. Now, I need to ask you, Sunday was a big day in a lot of ways. Now, what was the feeling? It was a little bit awkward when you walked out onto the court and gave you a little wave and, and tried to, to get the controls working to raise the championship banner, but... But uh, it must have been a, a big moment for you still. What, what was it, what was it like? Yeah, it was incredible. The the reception and the standing ovation is a moment I'll never forget. And then obviously getting to press the button that unveiled the banner. <laughs> I, I don't want to be that guy, but spoiler alert, the button didn't actually control anything. Uh, but it did look good. <laughs> it was all for effect. <laughs> so, no, look, the standing ovation and to finally get back in front of the Red Army just one last time. Obviously, the last time I played there was... COVID restrictions, a, a pretty empty stadium, and, and we lost to Sydney in game two of the finals, so mm. a little bit different going back with, you know, 7,000 people there, and, and like I said, I wasn't expecting the ovation I got, and yeah, it's something that'll stick with me forever, and, and seeing that banner roll down, you know, was, was a magical moment, and then it was kind of switching from that role as a former player into kind of the commentator. <laughs> I apologise, I've got my Two-year-old Bonnie in the background. No, I'm, on, right. I'm on Daddy's ear. So maybe she'll have a bit of input in as well for the <laughs> Defensive Player of the Year award. But no, it was, it was great. And then obviously replacing a basketball with a microphone was fun on the sidelines. And I do need to apologise at halftime when I was doing the review of the first 20 minutes. I did hear myself say we about mm. three times when chatting about the Wildcats. So I need to, I need to be unbiased. <laughs> I need to be unbiased. And I'll uh, try and present myself that way, you know, on Sunday when I'm calling the game Wildcats V-Breakers. I have to admit to you, it wasn't lost on Adam Gibson. And we've got a special bonus bonus show that we're releasing next week with Adam Gibson, where you'll have a chance to catch up with him as well. And he was also very disappointed you didn't come to him at half time. <laughs> and it actually is out of my control. There's a lot of learning <laughs> with the commentary. And with about two minutes to go in the first half, I was told I was either going to interview Bryce Cotton uh, or John Mooney. So. Okay. Uh, unfortunately, Gibbo, Gibbo was massive in the second quarter. He was. And he was the reason they went into halftime with the lead. In fact, Gibbo's having a great season so far, albeit early, but I think he's been fantastic. So uh, he was close. He was close. I'll <laughs> let him know that he almost got the call up. For the <laughs> uh, I thought you did well um, on the microphone. How did you find it? How, and how different is it in that role yeah. you know, to anything you've done before? 
it's amazing because I do have an earpiece in where I'm hearing the commentators or the live commentary for the guys, you know, in Melbourne in the hub. So, you know, having Corey Williams in my ear for 20 minutes, you know, <laughs> it's one thing you never want to have to live through, but uh, that's what I was put under. So, no, look, it was great just hearing the live call, but obviously they're saying what they see, you know, on the TV broadcast and then I'm behind the scenes trying to give updates to what's going on in the huddles. So it was funny that that's pretty much all I could hear was through my earpiece. And then during timeouts, I was trying to get an insight into what uh, Trev was telling the boys. And I think sometimes the manager intentionally stood in front of me because he knows <laughs> if I see anything drawn up on the whiteboard, I'll be able to relay that back to mm. the viewers at home. Uh, so no, I, I genuinely enjoyed it, but hopefully be better off at come around, you know, the next round. Now, Sean is going to be sitting in the stands this weekend. Um, does that mean you've got the microphone all to yourself this weekend or what are the plans? Yeah, so I'll do Sunday's game. So I'm not okay. sure if it's Lockie Reed or Sean doing Friday. I think it must uh, be Lockie, court yeah. Okay. So, uh, yeah, Lockie Reed will take Friday's game. I'm in control of Sundays, which means I'll, you know, go between the, the Wildcats bench and the New Zealand Breakers bench and then try and give updates of what's going on behind the scenes mm. that may be lost on the TV screen. Now, what was it like watching watching your teammate, your, a lot of your old teammates play, watching the Wildcats out there in red um, and knowing that the crowd's cheering them on and you're not part of the team? Was it was it a lot stranger to do that in person than it has been on TV? I think it would have been harder for me to be a spectator yeah. opposed to being a commentator sure. because I was you know, quite nervous first game as a commentator, not wanting to miss anything. I was so focused on every play-by-play and then hearing what's going on with the producer, with the commentators in my ear, that I kind of just got focused as if it was just any type of game opposed to it being a Wildcats game. So once I, I was obviously sitting in the stands on Friday, purely as a you know spectator, and I think that's when it's going to hit home, that mm. I've got literally nothing to do with that game, uh, either as a Wildcat or as a commentator. So I will uh, probably notice it more on Friday's game, to be honest. Yeah, well, we'll find out what you thought about that when we come back next week. Now... We're going to be doing an award called the Demo now. So we're going, each week on the show, we'll have a Defensive Player of the Week we'll announce, and also you'll be giving votes for the Defensive Player of the Year award. Um, just seems to make sense. I, I, it seemed to be a very obvious thing to do, Demo. So out of the games in round two, I hope it's not a question without notice. I hope you've had a chance to, to think about it at least for, for a few seconds. Who stood out to you from, from the games in round two? Have you got a set of votes for me from the the defensive players that stood out? I do. So I'm going to combine rounds one and two just because the breakers and Wildcats obviously missed a round. Yeah, good so idea. I think that it's the first time I'm giving out points. So I'm combining both rounds. That's why there might be a name or two in there that uh, you know might have been not as efficient or as effective mm-hmm. as the defense then in, in round two, but... I'm going to start with one point. So it'll be 3-2-1, three, and, and I'll build up to what I think has been the best in the first two rounds, which may be a little surprising uh, going, you know, someone a bit predicted it in pre-season. But one point I'm going to throw out there to Bryce Cotton. Wow. Now, bear, bear with me on this train of thought. I mean, first and foremost, he had five steals. Yep. There's no taking away that he's the reigning steals champ from last season. First game, he's already got five. But a lot of those steals were in clutch moments in the third quarter when the game was kind of on the line. Uh, Brisbane obviously went into halftime with the lead. Wildcats came out on the back of you know Bryce being special at both ends, but in particular some some steals. Now the other thing that stood out watching the game courtside is how fit both Bryce and Sykes, Keeper Sykes, are. Mm. Now Keeper was picking him up full court, denying him the ball in the full court, 
then trying to deny him in the half court. And if there was any type of back screen, they switched it and they played ball side. Hence Bryce getting a few back cuts with some easy ones. But Keeper Sykes and Bryce Cotton did not stop moving the whole time they were out there. And it's a weird way to think of it, but I'm going to put Bryce's offensive engine as a reason why he was one of the better defenders because Keeper Sykes was held to 10 points and he got three fouls. He picked up his third foul going into the halftime, so they couldn't even start him in the second half. And that's off the back of just how hard Bryce was working and the foul positions he put Keeper in. And then because he had to work so hard guarding Bryce, mm. I think he lost a few of his, a bit of his legs and his uh, his engine come the fourth quarter. So between the five steals and the fact that he managed to wear down the opposition's best perimeter player, I'm going to give uh, Bryce one, which I know is a unique way to look at it, but that's what I took from the game. Mm-hmm. Uh, two points, I'm going to throw to Cam Oliver. He has been a beast under the ring, uh, you know, just blocking shots left, yeah. right and centre. And if he's not blocking them, he certainly makes shooters adjust to it. And then obviously the rebounding on, on the back of that as well. Just a, a special athlete, all NBL first team last year, and he picked up where he left off from last season, and in particular a defensive end uh, in round one. I thought he was brilliant. He was. And then three points. I don't know if many people predicted him for Defensive Player of the Year award uh, in the preseason election, but I'm going to throw it to Isaac Humphrey. Wow. Now, I feel like he's coming into the season in shape. He's moving well. He's got a great combination with Daniel Johnson. Uh, but at the defensive end, I mean, he had 11 rebounds and seven blocks. I think they may have taken a couple of blocks away from him when they reviewed it. But initially, they, they gave him a couple extra. Blocks. I think initially they had him on five, and then they upped, upped it to seven. No, they, they went that way. Okay, yeah. well, there you go. And before that, he had four blocks. He has been brilliant at both ends of the floor. And I think that shot-blocking ability has taken a few of the opposition guards and bigs by surprise. Mm-hmm. So whether he can maintain those types of numbers, I mean... They're, they're incredible numbers and just between putting the ball through the hoop, rebounding and now putting off shots to the other end, uh, I think he's been really good in the first couple of rounds. And he just looks fit. He seems to be moving really well out there and has been a great pickup for the 36ers. Yeah, I can't agree. Can't agree more with you. And I don't think any of us expected Isaac to be this kind of a defensive weapon, but how good is it to see a big guy that actually backs himself to block shots, goes and blocks shots and, and plays physically? We just don't see that in basketball anymore. It's it's fantastic to see. Yeah, exactly right. And all of that old school, he's a soft show. He's not getting out there on the guards, but then he can backpedal so that his big that rolls isn't getting behind him for alley-oop. So, no, he's, he's doing really well the first couple of rounds. But there's my three, two, and one. We've got Isaac Humphreys leading the pack mm-hmm. after two rounds with Isaac with three points, uh, two points to Cam Oliver and one to the steals master, Bryce Cotton, <laughs> with five steals in round one. Now, on top of that, naturally, do we then name Isaac Humphreys as our Defensive Player of the Week on top of that too, for round two? Absolutely. Yeah, got to, got to throw him out there. So he will take out the first. Like I said, I'm, I'm combining rounds one yep. and two just into one round. He will take out our first Defensive Player of the, the Week award. I think you're spot on. And I think... When we come back, it's going to be a fascinating award to follow because um, I can't argue with those three, but I have a look at Justin Simon at the Hawks and he's unlucky to not be in there as well. Mm. And Sunday Detch, some of the jobs he's done, especially the two jobs on Lamar Patterson. So one of those has come in round three, so we might talk about him more next week. So there's a couple of guys unlucky, but at the same time, I'm, I can't argue with your top three. Yeah, trust me, those two names you mentioned were certainly in contention. And the thing that doesn't show up in particular with Sunday is the deflection. Yep. 
So, you know, he doesn't get credited with a steal, but he managed to get so many deflections. And, uh, yeah, like you said, I think he's done a great job. And he does. He, he guards the opposition's best player one through three. And that's an incredible talent and ability to have. So, uh, Sunday's right there. And he was my preseason prediction for awesome. Defensive Player of the Year award. So, trust me, I'll be keeping an eye on him. <laughs> Fantastic. Now, just quickly, Damo, before I let you go, and before I do move on to the next segment here, which will be with Matty Knight, how happy are you to see, see us welcome Matty as part of the show now? I mean, I can't think of three better people to be honoured to do, to do a show with than obviously Sean Reddish, my co-host, but now to have Damien Martin to do this segment with and now Matty Knight to do my preview segment with. Um, how happy are you to see Matty back involved? Yeah, the nightmare, he's mm. back. I love it. So he, uh, he is one of the most talented players I ever played alongside and probably the best defensive big man outside of Bogut that I've played alongside. So Matty Knight, you know, he obviously got credited with a great career, but what people didn't realise is that when you play alongside him on the court, you could be guarding, you know, a point guard, a scoring point guard super quick, and if there's an on-ball step from him and Matty's there and you hear Matty call switch, you have no problem backing Matty to get a stop. Mm-hmm. And, you know, outside of Jesse Wagstaff, he may have taken more charges than anyone's yeah. ever taken for the Wildcats. Uh, undersized five man. And some of the battles he had, you know, in the, the years we played alongside each other. Absolute legend of the game. Had a better career than he probably gets credit for. And, yeah, one of my all-time favourite teammates. So, to have, have Matty out there, I can't wait to hear his selection. Mm-hmm. Can't wait to hear his point of view uh, going into the previews and who his selections will be. Uh, and looking forward to hearing all about it. But, yeah, tell the big fellow say good day. I will do. And well said, Damo. Thanks for joining us. And we'll do it all again next week. Sounds good, Pikey. Thanks, mate. Okay, time for our Tab Touch preview segment here on Hoop 7's Basketball Hustle. And thanks to Tab Touch for their support of our show. Of course, head to tabtouch.com.au and check out all of their NBL betting markets. Like like Matty Knight and like Sean Reddick are going to do throughout this season, there's all of the betting markets you could hope for. There's the obvious head-to-head betting from every game, but winning margins, most points, points scored in a quarter, player totals, game totals, Winning margins, any sort of bet you can hope for in regards to the NBL. All, all you need to do is head on to tabtouch.com.au and and cast cast your bets and, and all, all the best to you, of course. If you are placing a bet, gamble responsibly. And, yeah, I mean, Tab Touch, wonderful supporters here, here of our show at Hoop7's Basketball Hustle, uh, a proud West Australian company, and obviously we've now got two Perth Wildcats legends Seven championships between them. Two of the very best forwards to ever play for the Wildcats. Matty Knight and Sean Reddidge are now part of this competition to raise money for their respective charities with the help of Tap Touch. So let's get straight into our Tap Touch preview. And very happy to be joined now for the first time this week by, by Matty Knight. Really looking forward to being joined by Matty Knight now on our Tap Touch preview. Matty, I've I've known you for a long time. We we went through a through a lot together back in back in those Wildcats days, and I had a, had a lot of fun spending time with you and getting to know you. and And it's it's great now to be able to to reconnect on on a platform like this. Um, thanks for joining us, first of all, and and maybe to start with, 
what have, what have you been up to lately? What is what is the Matty Knight of twenty twenty one doing with his life? Well, no. Since we last chatted, mate, it's been a while. But um, mm. no, I've been uh, working as a youth worker with Save the Children um, in Armadale. I've just welcomed our fourth child, Leo, four months. Oh, congratulations! So, I didn't re- I didn't know thank that. Thank you. Yeah, no, we kept that one pretty quiet. But um, <laughs> yeah, so. Four kids, it's been pretty hectic in our household, especially the school holidays. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, can, I can only imagine, Matty. Um, try to try to, to explain it to me. What is it like being a being a father of four? Yeah, no, um, we thought two was hard. Yeah. We thought oh, three would definitely be harder, <laughs> but four, I think by the fourth, we're pretty um, laid back. Not too much stress is out now. Oh, so, I can imagine. Um, <laughs> Yeah, so we just uh, if he's crying, we know he's not in too much pain. So. Yeah. <laughs> but no, um, we've got four great kids, so they make it easy for us, especially the older two. So mm. um, they're really helpful. So not as bad as people think. Pretty amazing, isn't it? When you when you first arrived in Perth, coming back from from Hungary, um, you're a you're a single man with no kids. All of a sudden, you're a married man with with four kids. Ten years later. Yeah, no, who would have picked four <laughs> kids? But, um, yeah, no, 10 years ago, wow, that's a long time ago. I still remember our chat when I was uh, in a uh, shop road in Hungary yep. and we gave the first interview. So, yep. wow, 10 years has gone very fast. <laughs> I remember that well. You sounded like a man that just couldn't wait to get out of that place and, and we were just oh. about to announce your signing with the Wildcats and I think, he, I think you were the happiest man in the world just about. Oh, knowing I wasn't going to head into the sun and uh, out of that cold, cold weather, I was very excited, that's for sure. Now, we've got you on board with our with our Tap Touch preview now each week on the show. Have you been keeping an eye on the NBL? Do you still do you still keep a close um, eye on, on, on the action? Every now and then. I haven't watched too many games, yep. but um, I, read, I read the reports and see who's been doing well, what teams are doing well. So I keep a... Keep an eye on it, but probably not as close as I used mm. to when I was playing. Now, in recent months, I've seen some, well, or maybe over the past twelve months, I've seen some some photos pop up on social media of you getting getting right back into game shape. Do we expect a, a return to the basketball court at some level of you sometime soon, Matty? No, no? Um, I just decided that it's been long enough that I needed to get back in shape. I'm <laughs> working out on the best. Uh, PTs in WA and um, lost 17 kilos in wow. 10 weeks. So wow. got down below playing weight and um, had a few SBL clubs reach out to see if I'd, if I'd be interested. Okay. But uh, no, there won't be any basketball boots being put on these feet for any time <laughs> soon. But you are doing some coaching. Can you fill us in on some of the coaching work you're doing? Yes, I'm um, coaching the WA under 18 Country State Boys. Mm. So we had our final selection camp on the weekend and they're about to announce the 10 tomorrow. So um, it was cancelled last year due to COVID. Yeah. We meant to go to Ballarat, but it was cancelled. This year we're meant to go to Werribee. So hopefully um, everything continues yeah. to go the way it is and we do get to go away. Absolutely. Now, looking forward to chatting with you now each week on the show, Matty. So we'll have plenty of time to to keep updated on, on what you're up to. But um, as for round three now in the NBL, um, we already had a couple of games on Tuesday and Wednesday night, but we, we release our show every Thursday, and we've got a game tonight to look to look forward to. Thursday night, it's up in Cairns, and it's a fascinating one. Cairns Taipans. We had 
such high hopes for them this season. They've now lost three games in a row all on their home court, and they're up against a Hawks team um, who haven't lost a game yet this year, and they've played all of them on the road. Um, what are you expecting from this one? Yeah, no, um, I think for Cairns last year, no one expected them to come out and do so well, yeah. so they kind of flew under the radar. But when you obviously make it to the semi-final, one game from the grand final, teams are going to uh, start taking you a lot more serious. And I think they've found that out this year, that they're the hunted this yeah. year. So um, teams are probably putting a lot more work into them. Uh, with Machado and Cam Oliver back, teams know what to expect from them now. So, yeah, there's probably more pressure on them this year and maybe showing early, but I'm sure they'll be fine. Mm. And on the other hand, you've got, you got the Hawks, who uh, struggled last year, but now come out 3-0. and yeah. The other thing, a large part is due to, due to Brian Gorgian. Um, you don't get the record he has mm-hmm. um, without a coaching ability. And it looks like they've recruited really well, their three imports. And um, it's good to see AJ Ogilvy um, actually having a good season. Absolutely. Uh, it looks like Gorge has put a lot of confidence in him and it's rewarding him. Absolutely. He's the captain now. He looks like he's enjoying that. So on Tap Touch, we've got the Taipans 171, the Hawks. Two fifteen. Who are you going with? I uh, I think I'm going to go the Hawks. I think I think being on the road for that long, it's, it's brought them together as a team, and um, they're playing with a lot of confidence. And yeah, you're losing three in a row. You want to get one, but I just think Wollongong or the Hawks, sorry, will just have too much for them. No, I think I think we should. I think I think we still can and should call them. Wollongong, we, we talked about it earlier on the show with Sean, and, and the Wollongong name just seems to fit them. So, the, the, oh, I, the, I agree. The, the, the league might have officially taken it off them, but I think we can still give it to them. Um, and then on Friday night, home game for the Perth Wildcats again against the South East Melbourne Phoenix. They played each other on Sunday already. So we've got the Wildcats 135, the Phoenix 320. What do you what do you think? Yeah, I think Perth will be too strong again. Um I'm not sure what to make of South East uh, team yet. Um, they had some up and down games last year, but I think Perth with Bryce at home, this is too strong. Yeah, well, I think based on what we saw, especially in the second half on on Sunday, it's it's hard to, to go past the home team. Um, then we've got a doubleheader on Saturday. First game in Brisbane is the Brisbane Bullets and the Cairns Taipans. Um, the Bullets got coming off their first win of the season on, on Tuesday and... And the Taipans now got a short turnaround because, as we talked about, they play at home on Thursday and then head down to Brisbane for Saturday. Yeah, no, um, Brisbane will be a lot of confidence. It's always good to get that first win and the boys will be getting their confidence up. But for Cairns, um, yeah, it's a big game tonight and if they drop that, then oh, they're desperate yeah. to come on Saturday because losing four straight, it's not a good way to start the season. And um, especially the uncertainty around around the league, what, how many games will be played at home and away. Um, yeah, you need to get as many wins as possible. So I'm tipping Brisbane at home. Yeah, it, it, it's fair enough. And if, if that goes to, goes to your tips, Matty, the Taipans will be one and five. And that'd be, that's a that's a huge hole to have to try to call out of. Oh, exactly. Especially with how even the league is yeah. this year. Um, yeah, being a one and five hole, this early, it take a lot means a lot of pressure come end of the year. You got to win a lot of a lot of games, and they've had a lot of home yeah. games already. So a lot of those you assume will be on the road. Mm-hmm. So 
there's a lot of pressure building up in Cairns, so tonight very important. If they drop that, then Saturday becomes even more crucial. Yeah, absolutely. Um, then also on Saturday, we've got the Adelaide 36ers playing their fifth home game already of the season. They're against the Sydney Kings, so we've got the 36ers thanks to Ted Touch, two dollars. The Kings actually favourites. Um, I'm a little bit surprised by that. They're one eighty two. Yeah, no. Um, you think Adelaide would be favourite yeah. heading into that? They're, they're playing some really good basketball. Um, it appears that uh, Kendall Johnson doesn't age at all. He's <laughs> no. still uh, he's still putting up big numbers. Yeah. Uh, DJ, it's great yeah. to see. Um, but I think they're freezing into their life in the Adelaide. Obviously, with Connor coming in, mm. it's pretty much a whole new squad. So um, they're playing really good, exciting basketball and. It's another important game for Sydney. Yeah. Um, obviously, they would have been disappointed dropping dropping the game to Brisbane, yeah. but um, it's a big game. Like I said earlier, that you need to win these games early to get the confidence, but also because of how close the league is. The physicality that Isaac Humphries is playing with right now, I reckon you would love to to see that, wouldn't you? He's right up. He's right up your alley. Oh, definitely. It's good to see that those big guys still exist in the league. Yeah. Um, a lot of them just going to a pick and pop now, but um, <laughs> now he's definitely improved a lot since he was last in the yeah. league, and his time overseas has obviously really helped his game, and it's great to see him coming back here and dominating. Now on Sunday we've got another doubleheader. So first up we've got in Bendigo. Um, so the first game in Victoria of the season, and we've got Melbourne United taking on the Southeast Melbourne Phoenix. Yeah, that's. Uh, Melbourne United, you look at that team on paper, mm-hmm. I don't think there's been a better team being put together than the one they've got this year. Yeah. Um, a lot of weapons all over the court. The jocks have come out and said that he thinks they go <laughs> undefeated. It's a big call to make, but um, it's great to see the confidence in them. But uh, I think they'll be too strong for South East. Um, obviously playing in Perth. On Friday night, then doing the trip back to, on Saturday and playing Sunday. I just think Melbourne, too much firepower. Yeah, you, you'd have to think so. Um, then the last game of the round, back in Perth again, the Perth Wildcats and the New Zealand Breakers. So we've got the Wildcats paying a dollar fifty, the Breakers two dollars sixty. Fascinated to get your thoughts on what you've what you've thought of the Breakers so far. Yeah, no, obviously you look at the team on paper. A lot of the tall blacks that. They've recruited back to come back. Um, obviously, their import probably hasn't performed to the level they expect, mm. but um, they've got the talent on paper. Obviously, they've dropped two games to Adelaide. Yeah. That'll be a big game for them. You don't want to own three, very similar to Cairns. Um, I actually think they'll, uh, they've always played well over here uh-huh. at Perth Arena. Uh-huh. So uh, I think they'll have a lot of confidence coming over here. They've had two games together as a group now. so. The team chemistry was starting to build, so I've actually gone for an upset and think that New Zealand will get the win over here. I don't think it's that too crazy of a call. I mean, Lamar Patterson, we know how good he is and we know how bad he was when he played on Wednesday night in Adelaide. I mean, he has every he is every chance to come out and put up 30-plus points. He's that, he's that good. And then you've got you got the Webster brothers there as well who can put up anything. So this break is yeah, exactly. to be, yeah, they're Corey, a lot more talented Corey. than they've, they've shown so far. Yeah, exactly. Corey will be his second game back, so he's only going to feel better about being on court. Like you said, the Webster the brothers, Lamar, there's a lot of firepower on that team, and it's only a matter of time before they all put it together and, um, yeah, get that first win. Yeah, absolutely. 
Um, so that's the games in round round three, Maddie. Really, really enjoyed getting your insights on that. So we'll 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 ha- we'll announce your multi bet of the week as well with your three selections, thanks to Tab Touch, leading up to the weekend's games as well. So check out the Tab Touch social media channels for that, and they'll they'll make that announcement. So great great to have the support of Tab Tab Touch here to make make this possible, Maddie. And we're looking forward to trying to raise some money for for charity as well. This is a lot of fun, Maddie. I'm really glad to have you involved in in the show. Looking forward to doing this every every week with you, and hopefully hopefully you can catch up with Sean as we as we go along as well. Um, to, for, for I appreciate some, you having me on. No, for someone that has been not involved in the NBL, you you know your stuff still, Maddie. So I'm really looking forward to picking your brain. And thanks for joining us on on the show this week. And let's hope some of your tips come through. I know, let's hope so. Otherwise, it might be a one week and done. <laughs> oh, thanks, Matty. We'll talk next week. Thanks, Mikey. Okay, back on Hoop 7's Basketball Hustle and now onto our final segment. And, and Sean, you're back with me now. Thanks to Matty Knight for joining us for, for his first Tab Touch preview segment of the season really looking forward to now getting that underway as a, as a regular thing on the show and really happy to have Matty Knight involved as well Sean he hasn't hasn't been much of a public figure since he retired from the Wildcats and he didn't retire probably under under the way he wanted to but gee he was a hell of a player three-time championship winner 236 games all first NBL player played for the Boomers won a world championship in that famous MU's team um what was he like as a teammate just reliable. I mean, uh, you just knew when he was out on the court that, you know, he was going to do the little things, you know, outstanding from that mid-range, tough in the block. And one of those guys that we just kind of really encouraged um, to kind of take over. You know, he was kind of that reluctant superstar. Um, but we, you know, as a, as a Wildcats and as a team, we saw how tough he was in training and just – really encouraging him to uh, to kind of be that dominant force. And I think for a number of years he was. I mean, there was no better power forward. Um, yeah. And he could slot over to the center as well. You know, I think he moved his feet so well. You, you know, he was a, a bigger guy, stronger guy, but he was nimble, um, mm-hmm. could move his feet and get get in front of even a Jerome Randall and, and uh, keep him in front. So such yeah. an advantage down the stretch when teams are going to go to that on ball and you know you've got a Matty Knight who can show, he could switch, just gives you so many options out there uh, to defend um, those actions that most teams play uh, down down the stretch. Do you think you'd be able to beat him in our tap touch competition, though? Ooh. I'll, I'll back myself in any competition, Pikey. You should know that by now. <laughs> I do know. I do know that you went. You went close in your first lot of of betting last week. The three that you chose, two of them came off, Sean, and the one that you missed was the line bet for the Taipans against the Kings, and you only missed by a couple of points. You went very close to racking up several hundred dollars for Lifeline WA already last week. Yeah, it's uh, it's one of those things where uh, yeah, I mean you got to do well to get get all of them, but um, almost the stars almost aligned, so uh, I'm sure hopefully they will at some point during the season. Okay, we we looked at the round three games in detail with Maddie just just before Sean, but I'll get your your one word tips with the games to go Thursday night: the Cairns Taipans and the Hawks. Look, I think the Taipans are desperate, so I think I'm going to go with Taipans in that one. Friday night, the Perth Wildcats and the Southeast Melbourne Phoenix. 
Well, the, the Phoenix have never beaten the Wildcats, and uh, it's all been by double-digit margin. So, uh, mm-hmm. you know, I thought, I thought the Wildcats were a little shaky in that game. I expect the Phoenix to be much better, but I think Wildcats at home, knowing that they're going to have to go on the road for a little while, they're going to be uh, motivated to get some wins to start out the season. Doubleheader on Saturday. First up, the Brisbane Bullets hosting the Cairns Taipans. Oh, look, I like the Bullets, just the fact that they're, uh, you know, they're playing their first game for the round and uh, to go against the Taipans who have to play on Thursday, then travel to Brisbane. And, uh, you know, the Bullets are starting to find a little bit of form in their uh, in Sobe and Law. So I'm going to go with the Bullets in that one. Then the second on Saturday, the Adelaide 36ers at home to the Sydney Kings. Yeah, you know what? I'm going to go with a little bit of an upset here and go with the Kings as well as the 36ers are playing. I think the Kings are uh, not too far off finding uh, some good form and they've uh, they've had some tough games on the road. So I think that should hold them in good stead going up against the 36ers on Saturday night. Then in Bendigo on Sunday, a place you actually know quite well, Sean, Melbourne United up against the Phoenix. Oh yeah, that's an interesting one. Um, obviously, Phoenix coming back from WA, I think we're going to go with United, but uh, what a fantastic stadium they have there in Bendigo mm-hmm. for anyone that hasn't uh, seen it or been there. Um, for a regional town, no better uh, no better stadium in the country. You just went back last year with one of your Redditch basketball groups, didn't you? We did. We went to, they mm-hmm. always have a tournament over the Australia Day weekend and uh, put on a fantastic tournament, had a great time, got to catch up with some, some friends from the past. So, uh, you know, nothing but high reps for uh, Bendigo and what they've been able to do there. In the last game of round three, the Wildcats hosting the Breakers. Yeah, I think you got to go with the Wildcats, um, you know, but anytime you got the Webster brothers coming in, they're, uh, they're going to have another game under their belts. They're going to be excited to play in front of the uh, Red Army, but uh, I'm going to go with the Wildcats. I'll actually get to be in the crowd for that one. So mm-hmm. it might only be the second or third game I've seen um, in the crowd at, uh, at at Perth Arena, RAC Arena, sorry. that uh, So I'm, I'm looking forward to uh, sitting up there. I think the last time I went, though, the Wildcats actually lost. So if, if they <laughs> lose this one, they're not going to invite me again, Pikey. No, they won't. Um, the family coming along too? Yep, the family's coming along. Yep. So uh, we'll get to, see, uh, get to see the action there. We're looking forward to it. What about your Tab Touch multi-bet of the week, Sean? Have you had a chance to have a think yet? Look, I got to tabulate. I got to do all the calculations. Jump on our uh, our social media page. It'll be up there shortly. Yeah, it will be. And Tab Touch, check out Tab Touch social media pages as well every Friday morning, and it'll it'll be released there. So we look forward to seeing what you've come up with to try to raise some money for Lifeline WA, Sean. Just quickly before we wrap up the show, as you've noticed, we've changed the format a little bit here on Hoops Heaven's Basketball Hustling. To be honest, we just don't have room for extra guests on the show right now because we've got plenty to cover and with Damien Martin and Maddie Knight on board, that's our regular content. So we still want to be able to bring you some of the biggest and best interviews from the basketball world. So that means your Steve Nash interview, Sean, is still well and truly a possibility. But our interviews will be presented as bonus shows now and we'll be providing as many of many of them as we can. And, and the first one is going to be with Adam Gibson. The most experienced player in the league, Sean. He's been a hell of a warrior. And right now, as you saw firsthand on Sunday, he's playing some some outstanding basketball. So looking forward to a bonus show with him. We'll let him catch up with Damien Martin as well and, 
and those two old foes will be able to have a have a chat with with each other. What would you be looking forward to hearing from from Gibbo right now? Oh, look, he's got. Uh... You know, he's played a number of teams and I guess just kind of knowing a little bit more about his journey and, and the decisions he's made throughout his career and and I guess maybe some of the impacts that some of the other players and coaches have had on him. So, you know, just a true warrior of the game and still remember him when he came into that Brisbane Bullets who I still claim as might be the most talented team I've ever mm-hmm. seen in the NBL. So, it, you know, it was you know, a good start for him. And, uh, you know, it's great to see him still playing at a really well high level and doing well for the the Phoenix this year. Yep. So we'll release that bonus show next week. There's a few days in between games between round three and four of the NBL. So check out that episode of Adam Gibson next week. And then, of course, we'll be back on another episode of Hoops Heaven's Basketball Hustle where we Another full show planned. We're looking forward to it. This has been a big show, Sean. I'm, I'm really excited about the team that we've put together. I'm really excited that you're you're still my go-to man and to be working with the scoring machine is always an honour. Thanks to Hoops Heaven and to Tab Touch for making this all possible. I'm Chris Pike and I'll sign off and, and of course, leave you with the scoring machine for this week. Well, thanks, Pikey. One of the things I've just been watching the first couple of rounds and I've been really impressed with the ability to go to the replay center and not have to have the referees go over there and look at it. They've got someone else looking at it. They can make a quick decision speed up the game, but get the right decision. And so uh, kudos to the NBL, the referees. I thought, uh, you know, I think they're doing an outstanding job, and that's coming from me, who was probably the harshest critic when I was a player. But now that it's not riding on my wins or losses, I think they're doing a great job, and uh, I'm glad to see that change, and I think it's it's going pretty well first couple rounds of the of the season.